You know, we have been going through uh, the book of Genesis since January 1st. And I think we are on pace to uh, complete uh, the entire book of Genesis at uh, the end of the year. It's amazing. And we're already at 32, uh, more than halfway through the book. Um, I was thinking about how I was going to give a background here. So what I'm going to do, uh, the focus of the text today will be uh, from verse 22 onward. But I do kind of want to just kind of talk about uh, the first 21 verses. Uh, before I go there, I just want to say that let's not forget who the main character of Genesis is. It's not Abraham. It's not even Jacob. We're going to be learning here today. It's God. Okay. How is this so? You know, being a Christian for over 20 years now, I, I have to constantly remind myself that the Holy Spirit is narrating the story. Um, there is a purpose. There is meaning and there is intentionality in the lives, in the selected lives, in the selected stories of these lives, of these men and women, these families, these tribes, and soon to be a nation. Remember, God is trying to save his people. Ever since Genesis 3 in the fall, God has been orchestrating the restoration of his creation. You follow? The life of Jacob is a significant piece to this design. Yes, we will read stories and decisions how things played out in Jacob's life. We heard that last week. Quite a bizarre story and how those children came to be with the multiple marital relationships that Jacob had. You may think, wow, that is quite bizarre. But before we judge a man's life and his decisions, I believe a lot of us here, including myself, may receive the same reaction when our lives are looked up closely. Um, Going back, who's the main character? God. Let's just keep that in mind as we're reading the text. Are you with me in Genesis chapter 32? Verse 1. And I'm... I'm going to read this through, and then I'm going to, we're going to uh, break it down as, as we go through. Uh, but we're going to really talk about verse 22 onward. So, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So we named that place Mahanaim. Let me stop there really quick. Uh, we're not going to go through Genesis 31. Basically, all Genesis 31 is, like, Jacob has been working for his uncle and father-in-law for 20 years now, and he wanted to go back. In fact, it wasn't even Jacob that wanted to go back. It was God telling Jacob in a dream, it is time to go back. Uh, he shared that with his wives. That's good. You know, that, 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 that's good in a, in a, in a marriage. Let's, let's talk about this, you know, with your spouse. It's time to go. But the way that Jacob did it was quite deceitful, quite scheming. Actually, he did it very privately and very secretly, not letting, you know, the father of his, uh, 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 you know, the father of his wives, being his daughters, Laban, and the grandchildren to say goodbye. So he kind of left. There were were three days separated from the the land. There was a point where they just had to, like, be separated in the land. So they were three days apart. But word came out to Laban. Jacob's father-in-law and uncle saying, hey, did you know? Did you hear? Jacob packed bags and he's leaving. So if you're Laban, if you're the father-in-law and you're the grandfather, what are you thinking? You know, that scheming, devising, conniving man. There's a lot going on between Laban, a father-in-law and a son-in-law. A lot going there. I can personally relate myself. Amen. But, um, 
That's going great, by the way. So, uh, fast forward, Jacob and Laban had a truce. Call it a peace treaty, however you want to call it. You can read that on your own tonight, later on. It's a great story. Jacob is on his way going south. And who meets him there? Angels. Is this the first time that Jacob sees angels in his 60-year lifespan? The last time, according to scripture, the angels appeared to Jacob was when he was leaving his homeland 20 years ago in a place that he called Bethel. You can read that on your own. That's in Genesis chapter 28. So Jacob is like really encouraged by this. Like, whoa, angels. The last time I had an encounter with angels, God gave me a nice promise that he said, you will prosper I will be with you wherever you go. In fact, I will always be with you until what I have promised is complete. Genesis 28, verse 15. So he's encouraged, and he even calls this camp the camp of God. So he named that place Manahem. Let's follow on. Verse 3. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, This is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant, Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats and maidservants and men servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. Let's stop there for a second. For those who know the story, for those who have been sitting here for the last few weeks and months, there was an encounter. Did Esau and Jacob ever get along? Did they always get along? No. In fact, from, from, from day one of birth, not even day one of birth, it's, 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 it's even recorded in Genesis 25 that these two twin brothers were wrestling in mommy's womb. Even, even as, as Esau was coming out of Rebecca, what was Jacob doing? Grabbing the heel. I mean, we see years later, when they're teenagers perhaps, that he steals his big brother's birthright, being the firstborn. And then later on, he deceives Esau again. Deceiving both his dad and his brother and taking the blessing. Because when, 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 when men gave blessings then, it was like contract. It was word. It was gold. So, back in Genesis, Esau wanted to kill Jacob. Rebecca, his mother, heard this. Like, Jacob, you got to run away. You got to leave. You got to leave. So, 20 years Imagine you're Jacob, 20 years. You know the relationship you had with your older brother, your twin older brother. The pain, perhaps maybe the guilt and regret. We're, gonna, we're going to uh, think about that, okay? So he knew that if he was going to go back home, he had to go through who first? Esau. Because he knew his big brother was living in this land uh, right between where he was living to where, you know, Daddy Isaac and Rebecca were, Okay? So what does he do? He sends messengers to meet Esau. Not Jacob, messengers. And this is what he says in verse, uh, in verse 6. Okay, well, first of all, the messengers did see Esau, and the messengers came back. And here's the news. So Jacob sees the messengers coming down. He's like kind of trembling, you know, what, what is it going to be? You know, what, you know, what did Esau say? And here in verse 6, it says, When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, 
and now he's coming to meet you. You figure right there, that's great, huh? But look what follows after that. And 400 men are with him. So, that's just news. We don't know if that's good or bad news. But you'll see in the next verse how Jacob interpreted that news. In verse 7, in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and camels as well. Verse 8, he thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Let me stop there real quick. Remember, um, well, you don't remember this. It's in Genesis 31. Laban was like, oh, I'm going to get him. So he, he, he goes down south, going to go track Jacob and, I don't know, maybe perhaps take his wives and his children and everything back. But if, if uh, you can read this, but in Genesis 31, Laban had a dream. And he said, Laban, be very careful when you talk to Jacob. Make sure you don't say anything good or bad. And there's something as a side note here. When we receive news, I think how we respond or react to the news kind of exposes the condition of our hearts. I remember a lesson a long time ago, uh, for a former uh, evangelist here, Mike Fontenot, he gave a lesson about, oh, when, when good things happen, it's great news. And then next day, oh, something bad happened, bad news. And then so it turns around to good, something good, oh, good news. Oh, no, it, it's actually bad news. Good news, bad news. It's like we're always teetering and tottering based on circumstances. And all it, what it does is it exposes the condition of the person's heart. I know that very well. Going back to the text. Oh, okay, the messages are back. What news do you have for me? Yes, we did see your brother Esau. Great. And he's coming back. He's coming back. Great. With 400 men. Now, I can see from the text like, oh, wow, he's, gonna, he's going to take his vengeance. But think about it. Jacob, you know that saying that time, uh, time heals wounds? That's not true. <laughs> it's, like, it's like whatever happened 20 years ago happened yesterday. This was, what, this was the condition of Jacob's heart throughout those 20 years. Yes, he, got, he was successful, he got wealthy. He, had, he got married, uh, he had children, more children, many sons. But he had this in his heart. I mean, what if, I don't know, I don't want to speculate too much, but what if the 400 men was, only, was, was for defense of Esau? And you'll see, maybe you'll kind of read in Genesis 33 what Esau's heart may have been really like. Because how does Esau see Jacob all these years? Deceiving, a trickery. Conniving. Do you think Esau could trust Jacob? What, 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 makes Esau, what, what would make Esau think that, oh, 20 years have passed, he's a different person? Then why in the world are you bringing this news that you are all this? What are you trying to prove, little brother? You know what? I'm not, I'm not quite sure about what you're up to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go meet myself. In fact, I'm going to bring some people with me. Who knows? I don't know. But the point I want to drive here is that there is something going on in Jacob's heart. I think we can all agree with that. Let's follow on. He, well, first of all, he even says, he, so he's, you know, Jacob is so scared 
that he's, he's conniving still. He's still devising. He's still planning. You know what? I'm going to hedge my bets here. Instead of him wiping us all out, I mean, this fear is just, just concocting his imagination. There's probably nothing. And he's dividing the group into two. And look at this. He prays. All right, before we say, like, oh, wow, he's, he's, he's changed. He's become spiritual here, all right? Uh, verse 9, then Jacob prayed. Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, oh, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I have become two groups. How did that happen? Is that God's doing? Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me. I think that fear was pretty genuine in that, in that prayer. And also the mothers and their children. But you have said, I will surely make, but you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So what do you think about Jacob's prayer? Seems pretty theologically sound. You know, he's addressing the father. You know, he under, he's showing his self-deprecating, you know, like, hey, I only came with a staff. The only reason why I have what I have is because of you. I, I, I'm in distress right now. Esau's about to kill me. Is that really true? We don't know, but that's how he sees it. And he says, I did my, you know, my, my group is divided into two. Well, why are you divided into two? God's probably looking down. He's like, no, you're always one. No, because it was Jacob who divided them into two. And now he's giving this plea that he's going to take away my life and, and my wives, the mother of my children, and their children. Stop here for a second. Can We know that the news, whatever we receive, can expose the condition of our hearts. We agree to that, do we? Yeah. Can we also say that after our prayers, the genuineness, faith of our prayers can also be exposed after the prayer? Let's follow. Let's see, let's see Jacob's heart after the prayer. Because you think, oh, wow, he's, he, he's surrendered. He's humble. He's ready to go. He's ready to trust God. No fear, nothing. Let's see what happens after the prayer. In verse 13, he spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. My goodness, that's like 20 petting zoos. That's like five Virginia safaris if you've been there. That, 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 that is a huge, I mean, he was wealthy. He was very rich. It was about almost 600 animals if you want to really know what, how much that is. So he put them in the care of his servants. Each herd by itself and said to his servants go ahead of me and keep some space between their herds he instructed the one in the lead verse 17 when my brother Esau meets you and asks to whom do you belong and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you then you are to say then you are to say they belong to your servant Jacob they are a gift sent to my Lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. Verse 19, he also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed their herds. 
you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, there's that phrase again, for he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I'm sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. All right. So, after seeing that, after a prayer, we're talking about the same night now, maybe just a few minutes after that prayer, how can we evaluate Jacob's faith and surrender to the Lord? From what I see, I still see a scheming, planning, conniving, devising man trying to bargain his way out of a situation trying to negotiate his way out of a tough situation a tough situation in his mind rather than trusting God because if, if, if Jacob was really really faithful if he really really trusted God I mean God even gave him a hint in verse 1 the angels were coming that should have been a flashback to Genesis 28 verse 15 when God says I will be with you wherever you go I will you will prosper. And that was already fulfilled already. He did prosper. And he doesn't even know what's going to happen even after. We know. We'll read that in, Genesis, in the Genesis 30s and 40s. But, but Jacob was so keen in to how he read the situation. Even after praying to God, you could see that it was just only empty words. It's almost like, okay, I, I'm dividing the groups. I'm going to do this. Yo, let me just pray. You say your words. And after prayer, okay, let's go back to the plan. What are we going to do? Do this, do this. Make sure you say it. Make sure you say it this way, this way. Got it? This way. Who's really in charge here? Is it really God? So remember, who's the main character of the whole story? So God is seeing this from, up, from upstairs. What are you doing? What are you thinking? How do you know what Esau... How, do you, do you even know what I even did to your brother in the 20 years you've been away? Maybe perhaps he's the one that changed and you didn't. I mean, what's, what's going on is God is like, okay, you left the promised land. I'm going to fulfill my promise to your grandfather Abraham. And indeed, it's already happening. If you don't know, you have at least 12, 11 children and daughters. But you still don't get it, Jacob, don't you? Now let's read the text. Genesis 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, Bilhah and Zilpah, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24. So Jacob was alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. But the man said, Let me go, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Amen. As I was reading this text over and over again, at least seven questions were begging for an answer for me. And I know you probably have certain questions right now. I list those seven questions for you. Question number one, who is this man that wrestled Jacob? Is that a question for you? Number two, what does it exactly mean when he said he could not overcome him? Number three, how and why did this man take out Jacob's hip? Number four, why did the man say, let me go, for it is daybreak? Number five, why did Jacob not want to let go? Number six, why did the man ask, what is your name? And number seven, What is the deal with the name change? If I, if if, if you had at least one of these questions, raise your hand. If you had all seven, raise your hand. If you had more questions than I had, raise your hand. Amen. (laughs) Um, It's night. Jacob just prayed. He gave his... He gave his wonderful scheming plan to hopefully appease his brother that he thinks in his mind Esau is out to get him. All these years, Jacob, the, gra- the heel grabber, I want to be first. I want to take the trophy. I want my name to be known. I'm going to get what I want. He, Jacob is realizing he's at the end of his rope, at least in his mind. So what does he do at night? Think about it. It's night. You're outside. It's dark. You're actually at a desert. What does he do? He says, you see in his prayer, the, oh God, don't take my, don't take my, 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 my wives and children away. What does he do at night? Well, he should be resting and protecting his flock. What does he do? He sends his wives and children across the brook at night. They should be in a tent just kind of hovering until the animals are done eating or whatever. And not only that, then he sends his possessions away after his family. But Jacob, what, 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 do, who, what do you really, really do value? Is it really your family? And now you're left alone with Jacob all by himself. And who meets him there? Some river demon? Some robber? Was it Esau's shadow? I don't know. The first question is... 
who is this man that wrestled Jacob? I don't think it takes a theologian to confidently say who that is because it was Jacob. If you're going to ask, ask the horse's mouth, who was that man who wrestled with you that night? It was God. Why is that? How is that possible? Well, one, I wrestled him. I mean, how is that possible? You, you could, he didn't beat you. Hold on a second. He took my hip socket by just a touch. Who and what, who, what average strong man can do that? And I had him. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe I had this, this limp just as a reminder of what happened that night. But who, who changes a person's name? I remember my grandfather telling me that story when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. No, that was God. I know it was God. Then what does it mean that he could not overcome you? What does it mean he cannot overcome him? I was thinking about this. Parents with children, are you here? Have you ever had that child that's really stiff leg when you're trying to put them in the car seat? Maybe, he's, maybe he or she's a teenager. And, and, and that stiffness shows in other places as well. Well, let me talk about my toddler. She has strong legs. There are times where I just got to brace her just to get her in without hurting her. Because that's what we all I can, I can, We're always, we're, we're, we're stronger than our children until they're at a certain age and we're at a certain age. Amen, right? But we're talking about God here. So what... I, I, I'm keeping my toddler just braced. Even the older one, when she was young, I just braced them. Just braced them, just to calm down. Even last night, my toddler was sleeping between my wife and I. She just kept kicking, just kept kicking, just kept kicking me. And I had to like, honey, just, just I had to brace her legs. It's going to be okay. You know, there, there are times where, you know, I, I never want to do this as a father. But when, after talking and embracing and resting with my children at a young age. Sometimes I have to inflict corporal punishment. But as they get older, I can't do that. I don't do that. You take things away. You have leverage. You see, Jacob is not a toddler. It's not even a teenager. He's a grown man perhaps at least 60 years old. And there's one thing that God took away was his ability to walk normally. How and why did this man take out Jacob's hip? We're going to answer that. Fourth question. Why did the man say, let me go for it's daybreak? Here's the third reason why it's probably God. Because scripture says that when you see God's face, what happens? You will die. <laughs> All Jacob could see was this being in front of him in a dark night sky. Maybe God was protecting him. The moon was covered with the clouds. The shadows of the mountains were protecting the image of God being showed to Jacob. But daybreak was coming. It was an all-night wrestle. You have to let me go now, Jacob. I won't let you go. I will not let you go. Why? All Jacob's life, he just wanted to escape, didn't he? He wanted to. He negotiated, bargained, whatever. He even had the moment to let go. In fact, the guy injured his hip. It's like, get out of here. I don't want any of you. Who are you? 
He, and yet, Jacob was clinging to him. You know, when, when I have to discipline my, my, my toddler in a way that, you know, it's going to inflict pain, she never ever runs away from me. What does she do? She clings to me. She wants me. Because she knows deep down that I was displeased. But she's scared. And she wants my affection. And she wants my love and reassurance. And my goodness, as a father, an evil, wicked father, I'm a sinner. All I want to do is give her all that love yeah. in return. And Jacob did not want to let go. You see, you look at this story and you think, oh wow, God lost. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And I'll, I'll prove it to you right now. Why did Jacob not want to let go? Scripture says he wanted a blessing. I don't know what that blessing is. Maybe perhaps it's because save me from, my, 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 save me from Esau. I don't know. There's a lot of blessings in Scriptures. We kind of read it in, in, in um, what Bill's communion today. About, about loving your enemies. You know, people persecute you. When you're having a rough time. You submit to God's word and His will. Because God is merciful. Can we agree here that God was merciful in this passage? As children, we are, as parents, we are very merciful to our children, aren't we? Why did Jacob not want to let go? It's because he wanted God's blessing. We don't know what that is. We don't know what that is. Let the text speak for itself. Number, question number six. Why did the man ask, what is your name? Do you think this man already knew, being God, knew who this person was? Absolutely, because who's the main character of the whole story? God was watching all this. Do I have to come down there to you? You know, it says in Scripture, it's a psalm where, you know, to the pure, God shows himself pure, but to the shrewd, he shows himself shrewd. You know, one, a theologian once said that, that God comes to us. He meets us where we're at. Uh, we know that because Abraham was a pilgrim. So, it's, you know, we see in the story of Genesis that God showed himself as a traveler. We, we'll read later in, Je- in Joshua, Joshua was a general. So how does, God show, how does God show up to him? As a soldier. Well, all Jacob's life, what was Jacob? A wrestler. He always wrestled with men. Even his own mother in the womb. Isaac, Jake, Esau, his wives. And later on, you're going to see his parenting, even his sons. Always wrestling. But he was also wrestling God. And that is why his name was changed. Because you not only wrestled with God and men, it's because you succeeded and overcome. What we may have seen as a story of like, wow, Jacob, Jacob could control God. It could, be, it could, it could show that on the surface. But when you read deeper, who had the control the whole time? It was God. Yeah, the hip kind of helps. But God loves Jacob so much because all his life, Jacob was escaping, conniving, scheming, self-reliant, trusting in himself. You see, two times in Genesis 32, he was thinking to himself what the next plan is. He goes to prayer with fake humility, thinking that he's going to get what he wants. And God is like, no, I'm going to have to come down there and meet you face to face. 
Jacob could have escaped. Jacob could have lied. Because when is this the first time the question was asked to Jacob, who are you? What is your name? Back in Genesis, in early chapters, the birthright. Isaac, blind Isaac, who are you? You, 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 you feel and smell like Esau, but you have the voice of Jacob. Who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm Esau. Always faking it. But Jacob knew he could not fake this one. You see, when you give your name back in the day, even to this day, it's not just a name. It's who you are. You're confessing who you really are. I'm Jacob. Deceiver, scheming, prideful, arrogant, independent, self-reliant, false, arrogant. That's who I am. And what does God say? You will no longer be Jacob, but you will be Israel. Because you have strived with God and with men. And you have overcome. How did he overcome? Jacob finally changed. At least the beginning. If you remember Bill's lesson last Sunday. Awesome lesson it was. Jacob, Rachel, Leah, we're not changing. It's all about change. If you want a title for this lesson, God is coming to change us. He's coming to change you. He wants to change you. When you have these wise, these happening moments, Rebecca had it in this prayer, her prayer, Genesis 25. Jacob's probably having it right here. Why is this happening? Because God is wanting to change you. He's wanting to change you. He wants to give you a new name. You know, Remember I shared that God comes to us in a way we show ourselves to him? Now I know this for you. But I know I can relate with Jacob. You know, I, I was the guy who was very independent in my young teen years. When my dad wasn't there, I kind of took care of the home. I went and left California to go to the Navy. But God humbled me through the Navy. And I had nowhere to go but God. And thank God, God put men and women in this room... Not in the, well, not in this room, but in this church to help me become who I am now. Yeah. I got a lot of work to do. But I was wrestling 20 years ago. But I think even as a disciple, we're still wrestling. But the difference is here is that if you're a Christian, if you've repented and you understand the things that are happening because God is there, then you get it. You've repented. And, you, and in fact, you've been baptized. You've been washed with the waters of baptism. And there's, a, there's this change that's already happening already. And you have already entered the promised land. You've entered God's kingdom. You see, God was not going to allow Jacob to come back into the promised land until his heart changed. Come on now. I mean, sometimes we think we can enter God's kingdom in heaven by our own, by our own plans, our own thinking, our own scheming. No, God is watching and he's laughing. He's like, what are you doing? You need to be humbled. Do I need to come down and wrestle with you? I think he did that with me. I'm sure some, some of you feel you can relate to the story. In fact, you're probably relating it to it right now. But it's not because God is so mean and unloving and tyrant. No, it's because he loves you. Just like a father taking his child in his shoulder, in his, in his arms. Like, I love you. I care for you. I'm doing this for your own good. You know, 
this, God is the main story. He's going to take Jacob, his name Israel, the new nation. I'm not, that's a whole lesson in itself. That's a series, in fact. But we know later down the line, it's, it's, it's a new nation. It's a nation that Jesus is going to start and has started. It's the church. I'm so thankful to be part of the promised land right now. I really believe, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you should, I hope you feel the same way I feel. I am in the promised land. I am going to heaven. I am confident because I've, le- I've wrestled with God. And I prevailed. How did I prevail? I got humble. I'm, I'm still getting humbled. But those that God's appointed in my life to help me. But if you are not sure where you stand, if you're not sure where you stand, I, 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 I plead with you. If you are seeking and wanting to learn to become a disciple of Jesus, then take inspiration of this lesson. Stop trying to escape your problems. Stop waiting around. Stop thinking to yourself, how am I going to get out of this? Do not escape God. He is wrestling with you for the purpose to change you so you can enter the promised land. Get open. Get real like Jacob did. Turn me to Matthew chapter 11 in my clothes. And for the disciples, I'm turning there. The reason why we're being pruned, Christians, the reason why we're being reshaped and why we feel like, why are we still wrestling? I'm already in. It's because in John 15, God wants you to be more fruitful. He wants you to multiply. He wants to use you to save the Jacobs that are still outside the camp. But to those who are seeking God, I, Jesus leaves this, this thought. If you feel like God is being rough with you, if you think that God is being unfair to you, if you think these challenges are just not right, if you're angry with God in some way, if you think if your heart has become so callous by whatever event or what somebody said in your life, please take note what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. In verse 28, Jesus is saying to you, Verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen.